today I have the privilege of sharing with you the fourth and final installment of the series that we've been in called Change Your World. And hey, this has been a powerful series that Pastor Ben has brought to us. I know for me personally, it's really inspired me in a lot of ways. It's been one of those messages, kind of uh, reminds me of a coach and a football team at halftime in the locker room. I mean, you know, the coach is just giving them this inspirational, just firing up the team message so that they can get back on the field um, where it really matters. And really, that's what church is for us, right? This is just halftime. It's break time so that we can come in and we can get charged up spiritually and we can get inspired so that we can go back tomorrow morning in our jobs and we can go back on the field where it really matters and make a difference. That's what this is all about. And, and that's the kind of series this has been, though. It's been so inspiring. It's challenged me. Um, I'll be honest with you. It, it's inspired me to live my life every day more intentionally like actually looking for needs and opportunities and where uh, places that I can add value and make a difference. And I, I've just been pumped up, like just ready to go uh, charge hell with a water pistol. I don't know about y'all, but that's kind of where, how this series has made me feel. And I told some of our team last week, I said, I'll be honest, I really hate that I have to follow up that message that Pastor Ben preached last week, because man, it was so good if you were here and you heard it. Hey, if you missed it though, I would encourage you to go check that out online. It was so good, so inspiring. But the truth of the matter is, I believe that each and every one of you in this room today, that you have a unique, transformational, change your world kind of story. I believe that each one of you have unique giftings, unique connections. You have, you have experiences that are different. You have callings. And although they may differ among each of us and we have our differences, there's one thing that we all get to share. One thing that we all have in common no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're a mom or a dad, whether you're a child or a student, whether you're married or single or single again, whatever stage of life that you may be in, we all get to share this one purpose and it's to be a servant. And the truth is that that's where every person's purpose begins and ends with being a servant. And I believe personally that God gives us the unique experiences and gifts and talents and, and connections and callings, all the things that we have. I believe God gives us those things so that we can use them to serve others, so that we can use them to make a difference in the world. Now, I want us to look at a verse found in Matthew chapter 23, right here on the screen. It says, it says but you are not to be called rabbi, which is a Jewish teacher, um, he said, you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he's in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. Verse 11, it says, the greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. Now, after reading this first passage here, some of you may be thinking, oh man, do I need to go change my job title at work? We've got some instructors and teachers in the room. Hey, I really don't think that that's the point that Jesus is trying to make here. Don't think that's what he's saying at all. I think the point that's, that's being made here, you can go back to that other verse before. Um, I think really up here, the point that's being made is, is the fact that at times as humans, we all have a tendency to get so wrapped up in our title or our status or our role. We get so wrapped up in it that at times it may even become, we feel like it's our identity. 
We may get so wrapped up in it at times that it causes us to miss the opportunity to serve that is right in front of us. And one of the best examples of this that I could think of comes from what used to be one of my favorite TV shows. I haven't seen it in a long time since it came off Netflix. But um, I don't know if I have any fans in the room with me, but the TV show called The Office. Do I have any fans? Oh, yeah, I got some fans in the room. That's what I'm talking about. So I used to love this show. And this made me remember the scene where Bob Vance, Phyllis's husband, he's standing in a circle and he, he's the owner of a company called Vance Refrigeration. So he's meeting all, these, meeting all these people for the first time in this circle and he's going around the table introducing himself and he goes, hey, I'm Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. And he goes to the next guy. They're all in the same moment in the same group. Hey, I'm Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. He gets to the third guy and he goes, Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. And kind of the punchline to that, sort of a dry sense of humor. The third guy speaks up and he goes, nice to meet you, Bob. What line of work do you happen to be in? It's kind of sarcastic, uh, dry sense of humor. I like that sense of humor. But it's so true. Like he, he followed it up every time with his job title. And I once heard that you know you're too wrapped up in your status or your title when every time you introduce yourself, you follow it with what your title is. Bob Vance, Vance Refrigeration. Um, if I'm being honest, at times I've been like, hey, I'm Caleb Sal. You know, I'm, I'm the next gen pastor at City Hope. And I followed it up with that. Maybe you, if you think about it really, maybe you've done that before in your life. And, and I got to thinking like, why do I do that? What's, what's the purpose of that? Maybe I even done it uh, when I met some of you for the first time possibly. But I got to thinking, I believe that maybe we do that because we feel like if we follow up who we are with our title, then it makes us seem like we're greater. It makes us seem like we're more significant, like we, we are valuable. More, we're greater than the common person if we follow it up with our title. But Jesus, in verse 11, you can go to that in verse 11, Jesus says, actually, the greatest among you will be your servant. And this is such a simple phrase, but very, very profound. Um, by the way, the, in my opinion, that this statement, the greatest among you will be your servant, it's very, it, it goes against the culture. It goes against our society, um, which by the way, if you hadn't figured it out yet, Jesus does that a lot. Like he didn't come to this world for the world to influence him. He came to influence culture. And so he makes these phrases throughout scripture that we see that's totally opposite of the culture. Because I think that we could all agree that in our culture, when we look around, if we think, if I were to ask you the question in the context of our culture, who is the greatest? For me, my mind goes to the, the professional athlete, the Tom Brady, the LeBron James. It goes to the famous uh, TikTok influencer, maybe. Maybe for you, it goes to that businessman or that businesswoman that you look up to, someone who has acquired wealth, someone who's acquired status and popularity. Maybe it's someone who, who they're famous and they're the best at a skill, at a specific skill. That's who we think of when we think of the greatest, but Jesus says, no, 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 they're not the greatest. He said, the greatest among you is not them, but it's the servant. And these words that Jesus says, a simple phrase, the greatest among you will be your servant, it's really a job description for us as Christians, for how we ought to live our lives, for how we are able to make a difference in the world. Because when we live like a servant, we're able to make a difference. So I want to say today that if you happen to be like me and you identify with getting too wrapped up in your title or your status at times, don't feel too bad. I'm with you. But not only am I with you, when we look in scripture, what we see is that even 
the disciples of Christ, they did the same thing. If we look at Luke chapter 22, right here on the screen, I'll show you. Um, what it tells us in Luke chapter 22 is that a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Now, it only took us a few seconds to read that phrase right there. But in all actuality, who knows how long they sat there and argued about it, right? About who was the greatest. Now, I, I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up reading the Bible. And I never once thought about this. I never thought about the fact that the disciples got in arguments with one another about who was the greatest. I mean, these guys, they walked with Jesus every day. They were able to physically touch him. They spent the majority of their time with Jesus as he was doing his ministry. And as close as they were to Jesus, they still got in petty, pointless arguments about who was the greatest. Who's the best? I mean, arguments like probably like me and my siblings got into when we were growing up. It's like, I'm better than you, you know? I don't know if any of you relate with that. But they got into these petty arguments. And I can almost imagine how this argument must have sounded. One of them starts out saying, hey, you know, Jesus likes me better than you. And they're like, no, he don't. No, he don't. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Uh-uh. Yeah, Jesus likes me better. That's why he asked me to, to go with him and help him do that thing over there. And he didn't ask you because he likes me more, right? And then John pipes up and he's like, well, we all know that I'm the beloved. I'm, I'm the one loved by Christ. So it's obvious that, that Jesus loves me more. So, so no reason to even argue. I'm beloved. But then Peter, Simon Peter walks up on the scene and he's just like, everybody shut up. It's obvious that I'm, I'm the greatest. I'm the best. Last time I checked, out of all 12 of us, I'm the only one who ever walked on water. And so he just drops the mic there. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. I'm the only one. And so they're arguing. Who's the greatest? And then here in Luke chapter 25 is the response of Jesus to his team, really the disciples. They were his team. And, and Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them, they call themselves benefactors. In other words, they try to make themselves look good. They try to, but they really what they're doing is exercising their power. They're exercising their authority over people. And then they try to make it look like they're the good guys. They try to make themselves look good. And he goes, but you're not supposed to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules should be like the one who serves. And so right here in this verse, Jesus shows us two different schools of thought. He shows us first what the culture does, what the world does. He said, here's, here's what the Gentiles do. They lord their power over people, and then they try to pump themselves up. They try to make themselves look like they're good, try to make themselves look like the best. He said, that's what culture does. That's what the world does. But you're not to be like that. My followers should not live like that, is what he says. He said, instead, this, this is what the people that follow me should do. The greatest among you should be like the youngest. You should act like the youngest. And someone who rules, they should act like the one who serves. And that really kind of reminds me of the phrase, maybe you've heard it before, of treat the janitor like you do the CEO. Treat them the same. Jesus says that's the way that we ought to live our lives. The one who rules should be like the one who serves. And then he goes on in verse 27, and he asks a question here. He says, for who is greater? Is it the one who's at the table or the one who serves? He follows it with another question. Is it not the one who's at the table? And I love how Jesus responds. He doesn't even answer with a yes or no, because honestly, his answer was better anyways. He said, so, so 
Is it not the one that's at the table that's the greatest? He said, but here's where I am. This is my position. I'm among you as one who serves. So you can think the person at the table is the greatest or not. Really doesn't matter. He said, because me, the son of God, the Messiah, the one who came to free the world of their sins, here's my position. I am among those who serve. That's what Jesus said. Now, I think that we could all come around and support the idea that Jesus, the son of God, the chosen one who came to this world, he lived a perfect, blameless life. He died on the cross and he rose again three days later, sacrificing himself for us so that we could be in right standing with God. I think we could all agree that Jesus is the greatest. He's the goat, the greatest of all time, right? I think we could all agree with that. And if Jesus says, I am a servant, then who am I to live my life any differently? But a lot of times in society, we get so caught up with trying to be great. We get so caught up with trying to chase success. And please hear me say, I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to be successful. I'm not trying to say that you should drop out of college. Students, don't go home and say, hey, mom, I don't have to try in school. Did you hear Pastor Caleb? Don't do that. That's not what I'm saying at all. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with success. I'm just saying, don't let success have you. I'm just saying, don't let the title and your status have you. But we idolize these people that we want to be like because that we think are great. We feel like they're the epitome of greatness and we want to be like them. We spend our time and we spend our money working to be like them, working to be the best, to be the greatest. I mean, if you look around in our society, we have songs that are all about me pumping me up and all about me being great. It's all about me. We celebrate it. I mean, I got a couple of songs here. I'm, I'm not going to sing them because I'm not good like Pastor Ben, but I'm going to share the lyrics with you, okay? So you got this song here. It says, you can be the greatest. You can be the best. If you, you might know this song. You can be the King Kong beating on his chest, whatever that part means. I don't really know. All about you can be great. You can be great. What about this one? It says, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. I got what? Money on my mind. I can't never get enough. All about chasing fame and wealth and success. It's all about me. What about this one? I had high, high hopes for a living. I didn't know how, but I always had a feeling that I was going to be that one in a million. I always had high, high hopes. You get it. You, you get the picture that I'm trying to paint here is that we celebrate being great. We celebrate trying to reach success and fame and all of these things. We celebrate it and we even celebrate and look up to the people that write the songs. And in the midst of all that, Jesus gives us this counterculture thought, but I am among you as one who serve. He said, I'm a servant. He gives us this counterculture thought that the greatest is the servant. The greatest among you is the servant. And so if you want to be great, in my opinion, um, it would be kind of worthless to spend all your life trying to be great in this world. It really would. I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not saying any of those things. But can I tell you that the money that you make, whatever fame you acquire, whatever skills that, that you polish and that you work on while you're here, it's all going to fade away one day. But the word tells us that when Jesus came, that he was going to establish a kingdom and that this kingdom would never end. And so even though our money 
and our success and all the things that we acquire in this life are gonna fade away, there's one thing that never will and it's the kingdom of God. And so if we're gonna spend our time being great anywhere, in my opinion, I think that place should be the kingdom of God. I think we should put all of our efforts in being great in the only place that matters and that's the kingdom of God because it's the only place that's ever gonna last. And so for a few moments, I just wanna share with you how to be great in the kingdom. And if you have your worship guide today, there's um, an insert in there with some notes, so feel free to jot these down as we go. But the first way to become great in the kingdom is to be humble. Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 23, it says, for those who exalt themselves, basically those who they're arrogant and prideful and they pump themselves up, those who exalt themselves, they're gonna be humbled. But those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. So like that, another translation says they will be lifted up. So this idea of, of like being humble, living a life that's humble, this is something that like God, I feel like for years, he's constantly reminded me of. Maybe that just shows how messed up I am, right? That he has to constantly remind me of that. Like Caleb, you need to, you need to stay humble. You need to be humble. Constantly reminds me of that. And to be honest with you, if I'm, if I'm being transparent with you today, probably one of the reasons is because one of the things I really struggled with throughout my life is pride. Not arrogance, but the kind of pride that says, like, I don't need your help. I don't need you. I don't want you uh, to pity me or feel bad for me or feel like you got to help me because I'm strong enough. I'm man enough. I can handle this and I don't need anybody else, i.e. pride. And so, I feel like God has constantly reminded me of staying humble. And for a long time, for many years, what I really thought that that meant was that I had to think less of myself. Like I had to think that, I had to think that, Caleb, you're really not all that in a bag of chips. Like I almost thought poorly of myself because I was trying to be humble. Like I had to shove myself down. It's not about me. But then what I realized, I came across this, this phrase is that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. So it's not actually thinking poorly about yourself or looking down on yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less often. Because when I'm walking in humility, I live a life that at the forefront of my mind are the needs of others. And when I'm walking in humility and living like a servant, I'm living my life to see how can I serve someone around me? How can I benefit other people? And so it causes me to not focus on myself, but it causes me to focus on others. I'm really living my life for other people to make a difference in their life. So the second thing that I have for you, how to be great in the kingdom, is we have to die to self daily. And Paul tells us in Galatians chapter five, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, and along with that, it's passions and desires. So Paul lets us know clearly, like those who are followers of Christ, they've crucified the flesh. And along with crucifying the flesh, they've, they, they've crucified its passions and its desires. So that, that makes me think of along the lines of, I'm crucifying my will, my intentions, my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations. Caleb, what does that look like? That sounds crazy. What does that look like? And I really think it's just as simple as this. When I wake up in the morning, before I make my plans, before I set the agenda for the day, maybe while I'm getting ready, I just simply talk to God and I just say, God, I give you today. I give you my day. I give you my plans. 
I give you my agenda. I give you my hopes, my dreams, my desires, my intentions. Everything that I have, God, I give it to you today. And I want to exchange it for yours. I want to exchange it for your dreams in my life, for your will to be done in my life. I I want your agenda to take place for me today. It's simply surrendering what I want for what God wants for me so that he can use me. And I really think that no act of doing this is too small. Like before you make a big decision, pray and ask God, God, what is your will? And I think about Jesus before he went to the cross, as he was in the garden, he prayed and he said, God, if it's your will, please let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to go to the cross. He said, if if any way possible, let this pass from me. But he follows it with, but not what I want, not my will, your will be done. Not what I want, God, what you want be done. And a lot of times in our life, we, we have things that we want. Maybe it's a promotion or, or a change, a job change. We have things that we want, and that's okay. But I would say dying to self is saying, God, not what I want, what you want. If you see fit for this to happen, let it happen in my life. But if you don't, please close the door. Please don't let it happen. It's dying to self daily. It's sacrificing my own plans to follow his, dying to self. And the third way that we become great in the kingdom is we have to become a servant. And really what this boils down to is it's like living our lives like a servant. Um, When I was in high school, my youth group, we were doing a serve project um, and we were helping a business out. And I guess they had just let their gutters um, go. They just kind of let them go. And they had filled up with grime and mud and leaves and pine needles. And it was really thick. And so we were cleaning their gutters out for them that day. And I was up on a ladder and I'm, I'm digging out this junk. And in Alabama, it's really, really humid. And so there was mold all in, in it. I mean, it was nasty. And, and I was barehanded scooping this stuff out and throwing it on the ground. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, man, they could have given me some gloves or something. Like I was digging junk out of my nails for days. Like it was nasty. And so at this point in my life, I had decided that I felt like I, I just wanted to go all in and give my life over to the ministry. It's what I felt like God was leading me to do with my life. And as I'm doing that, one of my youth leaders, he was down a little further doing the same thing on a ladder. And he looks over to me and he says, Caleb, spell the word ministry. And I said, okay, never been good at spelling bees, but I'll try. So M-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y, ministry. And he said, no, you're wrong. And so I went back over it in my mind. I'm like, no, I'm right, pastor. I think you're wrong. You need to go back to school. And, and he said, no, it's spelled W-O-R-K. He said, because ministry is hard work. It's working hard to serve people around you. It's working hard and sacrificing your time to make a difference in the lives of people around you. And this thought was something that really stuck out in my mind for a long time. And as I say that, some of you are wiping the sweat from your brow saying, thank God I didn't go into ministry because I don't want to have to do that. But can I tell you that although you may not formally go into the ministry, we are all called to live our life to serve others. As Christians, we are called to make a difference with our lives and to serve other people. And so if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to figure out how to become a servant. So I've put together a series of questions. You can go back. I put together a series of questions to help you determine if you can be a servant, to help you determine if you can be great in the kingdom of God. And the first one is this. You want to be great. 
can you pray for others? And not only can you pray for others, but can you pray for your enemies? Can you pray for those who, who have wronged you and they've hurt you and you really just want to give them a knuckle sandwich, but can you pray for them and pray blessings on them? You want to be great? Can you attend a small group? You want to be great? Can you serve in kids ministry? Some of y'all are like, I can't be great, Caleb. I can't do it. I'm dealing with kids every day. I can't find a babysitter. It's just not, it's not for me, Caleb. What about this? Not only kids ministry, could you serve in the nursery? That's where the real battle is at, right? I mean, they're changing the diapers and you got the smell and all that. Takes a special person to be able to do that. If you can do that, man, you're great. Um, you want to be great? Here's really what it boils down to is, is can you change your world? Kind of like Pastor Ben was talking a few weeks ago. Not the whole world, but your world. Like, can you influence your circle for Christ? That's how we become a servant. And really all it boils down to is what I'm really asking by this whole series of questions, what I'm really, really asking is can you be a servant? Can you sacrifice your own interests for the benefit of other people? Because that is how you become great. And the only place that matters, the kingdom that shall never end, is the kingdom of God. That's the only place. And I just have to say, one of my favorite things about this church is that the heartbeat of this church is serving other people, putting the needs of others first, just like you did when you showed up and served during the snowstorm and opened this place up for people to come and be safe and warm. Just like you did a couple weeks ago when we had National Serve Day and over 175 of you showed up to make a difference in Wichita Falls and in Vernon and Burt Burnett. You showed up to make a difference. And I love that about this church. I love it. But can I just say, let's not stop there. We got a lot of good things going, but can I say, let's not get comfortable. Let's not get satisfied. Let's keep working. Let's keep serving and keep reaching people so that we can continue to change our world one more person at a time. We got to keep moving forward. We got to keep being the servants that God has called us to be. And maybe you're here today and you've yet to tap into that part of your heart. Can I say that God is drawing you God is drawing you and he wants to give you opportunities so that you can be the servant that he's calling all of us to be. So for the next few moments, as I prepare to close this message, I wanna talk about how do we become a servant? How, how, how do we become the servant that God has called us to be? The first thing you have to do is pray. You gotta pray. We have a phrase around here. We say, pray first. So at the beginning of your day, pray. At the beginning of your week, your month, your year, pray. Before you make a big decision, pray first. We believe that prayer changes things. And, and it's one of the most important things that we can do. And I think the best way you could lean into this is coming up through 21 days of prayer. And I would challenge you to pray and ask God what he would have you do. Ask him, God, how would you lead me to make a difference? Ask him to open your eyes so that you can see the needs around you so that you can begin to make a difference. But can I say, it's possible that we can see needs with our physical eyes, but we don't see them with our heart. And until we see them with our heart, we won't be driven to do anything about it. And so pray that not only God would open your physical eyes, but that he would open the eyes of our hearts so that when we see the need that's right in front of us, we'll feel, we'll feel compelled to do something about it. We'll feel compelled 
to make a difference. So after you pray, you gotta listen and you gotta look. Listen for what the Holy Spirit puts in your heart and look for opportunities to help someone who's in need. If you're, if you're in a drive-through and you feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit to pay for the person's meal behind you, do it. I know some of you may feel like, what difference is that gonna make? Can I tell you, you may never see it while you're here on earth. In your lifetime, you never may see the difference that it makes. But you never know what God will do when you're obedient to him. I had this thought, I thought it would be really cool if one day when we get to heaven, what if somebody walked up to me and was like, Caleb, I just wanna say thank you for that day that you paid for my meal at the drive-thru of Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken, come on somebody. You paid for my meal and you gave the cashier that little card that said God loves you and they gave it to me. And that one act changed my life. And because of that, I'm here today. And because of that, I gave my life to Jesus and I was able to make it here. You might say, Caleb, that's a stretch, but hey, if the Holy Spirit is leading you to do it, you never know the impact that it'll make. But in order to do that, you've got to listen and you've got to be looking. Third, you've got to believe. Believe that God is going to provide all that you need to do what he's calling you to do. You've got to believe. In, in City Kids, we teach our kids values every week. And one of our values is do your best. And we follow it with do your best and God does the rest. And that's really what God is asking of all of us. He just asks us to do our best. You may not have everything that you need in your hands right now, but if you'll do your best and you'll take that step of faith, he will meet you on the other side and he'll do the rest. After you believe, you've got to act forth. You've got to act, like roll up your sleeves, get hands on, do something. Don't just, can I encourage you with this? Don't just write a check and run away from the need. Get close enough to the need that you can feel it, that you can smell it, that you can touch it and that you can be a part of doing something to make a difference. And then last, fifth, give and go. Can I say that God doesn't call us to give what we do not have? He only calls us to give what we do have. So can I ask you today, what do you have? And this isn't some kind of campaign for giving or an offering or anything like that. What has God blessed you with? What has he given you as a tool to make a difference in the world? to change your world. Maybe you have a skill. Maybe you have some kind of talent that God has given you. Give it to make a difference, to meet a need. Maybe, maybe you have some extra time. Maybe you could help a neighbor, help someone out. Use that time to make a difference. Maybe you'd say, I'm not all that talented, Caleb, and I definitely don't have any time, but I got some spare, some spare money. Look around in the world and see what God would lead you to do to make a difference, to give. He doesn't call us to give what we don't have, but only what we do have. And he calls us to go, to give and go. You know, the first word of the Great Commission is go. Go into all the world and make disciples. He calls us to go. And we have to go into our world and live our lives like we're on a mission. Because can I tell you, we are. It's the Great Commission. The mission, and in this mission, we're co-partnering with God in the Great Commission, where we get to go on this mission and partner with God to change our world for the cause of Christ. It's what he's calling us to do, but we gotta give and we gotta go. Jesus lived his life looking for opportunities to turn his love for people into action. 
he asks us to do the same thing. And so today, I wanna invite you. Furthermore, God wants to invite you, to draw you, to become, to, to join his revolution, his revolution of serving others and changing your world one person at a time. If you would just bow your head, close your eyes with me here and get ready to close this here. I just wanna ask you, what, what is God saying to you? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart right now? Maybe you'd say, I've been really successful in my career, my finances, been really successful. Maybe another area in your life. Maybe you realize that you've been living your life for the wrong thing. Thomas Merton says, many people spend their life climbing the ladder of success only to find when they get to the top that the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Maybe that's where you are today. Caleb, I'm at the top of the ladder. I'm at the top. But as I'm looking down, I'm realizing that it was leaned against the wrong wall the whole time. And maybe you wanna make some change in your life so that you can begin to live your life for something bigger than yourself and it's others. You wanna begin to change so that you can live your life to serve other people. Maybe you're already serving other people, but maybe you say, I need to go to the next level of serving. I need to be more intentional in my life of serving others. And if that's you today, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if that's your heart, if you just lift up your hand, I wanna pray for you. I need to take my serve to the next level. I wanna be more intentional about serving. Hey, can I be honest? My hand's up. It is. God's been dealing with me in my heart about that this week. I was sitting in a coffee shop and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Caleb, instead of sitting here thinking about yourself, why don't you think about what mission I'm putting in front of you in here right now? Why don't you look around and see what person that you want me, that, that I want you to share hope with, the hope of Jesus. There's people in our paths every single day. They need someone who's listening, someone who's looking and ready to act to share the hope of Jesus. God, I come before you today and ask that you would help us to take our serve to the next level. God, help us to be more intentional. Help us to live our life as if we were on a mission every day looking for the tasks that you've placed in front of us. Because really we are. We are on a mission. It's the Great Commission. And oftentimes we get so comfortable in our lives that we don't think about the fact that we're on mission and that there's people in our paths every single day with needs. It may not be a physical need. It could be emotional. It could be spiritual. There's people who are far from you that we encounter every single day. God, I ask that you would help us to open our eyes, the eyes of our heart, God. Open the eyes of our heart so that we can see the need and that we'd be driven to do something about it. Help us to take our serve to the next level. God, we wanna serve you. We wanna make a difference. We wanna change our world. With your head still bowed, maybe you're in the room and, and you can't fathom the idea of sacrificing something of your own for the benefit of others. Maybe you can't fathom that. It sounds crazy, it sounds absurd. Maybe you'd say that reason that you can't fathom that is because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus did just that for you, for all of us. He sacrificed himself for our benefit. He sacrificed everything that he had, his entire life. He gave it all so that we could be in right standing with God, so that we could be in right standing with him.
so that we could have hope, the hope of heaven, hope and a future. He sacrificed everything for our benefit. And if you're here today and maybe you'd say, Caleb, I'm far from God. But today I wanna make a commitment to him. Today I wanna make a decision. I wanna say yes to Jesus and give my life to him. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. I'm not gonna ask you to come to the front. But if that's you this morning, on the count of three, I just want you to slip your hand up. One, two, three. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. If that's anyone in the room, slip your hand up. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, I'm gonna ask that we all pray this prayer together as a church corporately. Jesus, I come before you and I give you everything I have. My life, I give it to you. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. You'd come into my heart, be my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me and for the sacrifice that you made for me on the cross. I wanna live my life to serve others. With your help, I'll follow you best I can from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together? Give it up for Jesus, for the work that he's doing, the work that he's doing in people's lives.